0: Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Cape Cod Church, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, enjoy this message in our current series, The Story Project. Good morning. So, week two of what we're calling The Story Project. So last week, we laid a foundation with one big idea. That all of this, why we're here, what God has made, what he's doing in the world, all of this is because God wants to give us a gift. He wants to give us life, as a gift. Jesus called it life and life to the full. Life as a gift. That's the big idea. So, to that, you might say, yeah, 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 right, right. I get that. I mean, sort of. Like, I get that God wants to give us life but uh, yeah but what about the rest of it like like the rest of it like i the the, the life thing yeah yeah i get it but there there's there, there there's more i mean life 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 yeah life 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 yeah. there must be is it what about the rest of sorry like like tell us tell us what what jesus did tell us the story that he did that you know, the, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and then tell us what to do. Like that, that's the, that's the story. In fact, uh, we went back and that's what we did. John chapter 3 and uh, verse 16. We, we went back to this famous verse, right? Here, it's worth visiting again for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that's what he did that's the that's the story that's right that's the story it's, it's that whosoever believes in him that's what we do it's what he did what we do what's done what happened and what's supposed to happen what we're supposed to do that's the that's the story ben get to the That's the the story. And then I pressed in and said, and it finishes by saying, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the story. That's the the point. But maybe as somebody said to me last Sunday after the service, like, I don't get it. What's the point? I mean, this life thing, like what's the, what's the point? Just, you know, what about the rest of the passage? What about the rest of the story? Get to the, the rest of the story. And, and in fact, the verses that come after verse 16, are they're, they're important and they're powerful. And we should, we should read them, good point. Here's what it says in verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love that verse. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, that wasn't his purpose. It wasn't his his plan. His plan was to save the world through him, but it's not done there. It picks up this theme of condemnation, of verdict. Uh, It it carries on the, the idea of the courtroom. And it says, but who, who, uh, whoever believes in him is not condemned, verse 18, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Yes, Ben, that's what I'm talking about. Talk about that. That's what people need to hear. People need to hear that the, the story of what Jesus did and people need to hear the story of what they're supposed to do. Isn't that the point? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? In fact, the, the next verse says, this is the verdict, that's verse 19, the verdict, right? This is, this is courtroom talk, right? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because they're their deeds were, were evil. This is the verdict. This is what's done. This is what happened. That's the point. Ben, we need, to, we, need to, we need to preach that. We need to talk about that. That's what we need. We need more of the story. We need the story of what Jesus did and what he wants us to do, the death, the burial, the resurrection. And my goodness, I've talked about that story a lot. But this story is built on a bigger story. The gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, actually doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. The gospel story begins in creation. It's, it, it turns out that this why, like why did he come, is at the heart of a generous gospel. Let me say that again. Why? Not not, not just why did Jesus come, though that's connected. And not just what did he do, but why is this? Like, why are you and you and you and you and me? Why are we here? What was God's big plan? What is he, what is he doing in the world? And what is he doing in my life? That turns out that the, 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 the generous gospel, a gospel that, that feels hopeful and joyful and is rooted in generosity starts with creation. It starts with what he wanted to do. It starts with life. As a gift, let me let me show you exactly what I mean. So, if I came up to you and I said to you, "I just come up to you. Maybe you don't even know me," and I say, "Give me the keys to your car," you'd be like, oh. "Like maybe you have a new car. You've got 25 years worth of payments due on it, right? It costs more than your house." Can I, can I give him my keys? Give me your keys. Give me your keys. Can I have your keys? Like, even just asking, if I ask politely, if I say, like, oh, can I have the keys to your car? Be like, ah. like uh, let's be honest. Like, even if you had a beater, you'd be like, no, it's worth 150 bucks. I'm not giving you my car. Like, even if it's like Pastor Ben comes up, give gives me the keys to my car. You'd be like, no. What are you talking about? Give me the keys to your car. If your friend, if your best friend from childhood came up to you and you had um, you'd had a few too many drinks and your friend says to you, hey, give me the keys. I'm not saying you won't struggle. But that's a different story. When that friend walks up to you and says, hey, 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 hey. Give me the keys. No matter what else you know, that friend is trying to keep you alive. That friend loves you. You see, when Jesus steps into our life, when God approaches us and he says, hey, 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 give me the keys. There's there's a part of us that's like, those are my keys. This is my life. That's my way. It's my choice, it's my decision, and I'm not giving you the keys, but listen, it's rooted in a God who just wants to keep us alive. As Jesus said, he wants to give us life and he wants to give us life to the full. And listen, a generous gospel, and if you've noted some hint of joyfulness or hopefulness in the presence of Cape Cod Church, what you're noting is a joyfulness and a hopefulness that's rooted in a theology that goes all the way back, not just to the courtroom, of the gospels, but it goes back to the story of creation and what God has made us for. He wants to give us life. He wants to keep us alive. He wants to give us the fullness of life that he's created us for. And when he steps into our life and he says, hey, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. Don't go there. I'm not saying that we don't, we don't struggle. I'm not saying that we don't pull back and we don't wrestle and we don't wanna, we don't wanna keep the keys, but there, there's something in a God who's pursued us since the first pages of his story in Genesis that says he loves us and he wants to give us the gift of life. And without this, without rooting the story and why, without rooting the story in a God who wants to give us life, then the gospel becomes angry. Give me the keys and demanding, do it now. But when it's rooted in creation, in what he made us for, in a God who just loves you, and wants to give you life, and life to the full. And all of a sudden, that narrative of an angry gospel, of a demanding story, becomes something entirely different, because in that story, we see the heart. Of a God who loves us. Somewhere along this this journey, you're you're going to start looking for meaning, for purpose. Right? We we read John ten ten that we read last week. It's so powerful. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I. I, Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. He says, this is this is what I've done. And there's something in that that resonates with us. Like you, you read that verse and you're like, that's what I want. Like, I mean, from our earliest days, right? We just wanna, we wanna have a full life. We wanna have a life that matters. I mean, remember when you were back and you were graduating from high school and some of you, that wasn't that long ago. And you're you're coming out and you're just full of, you're full of ideas and, and, and excitement. And, and finally you're free and you're gonna get to live life. And everything's gonna be awesome that wasn't awesome before. And life is going to be grand, and you're you're off, and you want a life that matters. And then you go off to college, and you get ten million dollars worth of college debt. And now you're like, what am I going to do with that? And 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 you're going like, I'm going to make a life that matters. I'm going to I'm a, this is going to this is going to be different, and my life's going to have purpose, and it's going to have meaning, and it's going to have and it's going to matter. And then what happens? We go off, and we we start creating that life. We are we're, we're we're on a journey. We're we're building life. We're creating purpose, meaning. We want a life that that matters like that's why when we read that verse and we we see him says i'm going to give you a life and a life to a full we're like hey what's that all about cuz i sort of want that like 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 what is is that a real deal is there a story behind that like like what does that mean when he says i'm going to give you life and life to the full and and how and how can i have it because there's something in us that wants to live lives of meaning of purpose so most of us here's what happens we, we have to create meaning. We, we, we just set out and we're like, I'm gonna make a life that matters. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create some meaning. I'm gonna create a life that has purpose and meaning and significance. And, and so we take something we're good at or something that we love and we just like pour ourselves into it. We just give ourselves... A hundred and ten percent to that thing. And that thing becomes who we are, right? Like somebody asks you, like, tell me about yourself, and you tell them about your job. You're like, I'm an accountant, and I went to school here and I did this and I did this. And it's, it's your life, or I'm a painter, and this is the kind of houses I paint, and this is the paint I love to use. And you've like, you've poured yourself into. It. I built a landscaping company and I have three trucks right now, and I've got five guys working with me, and and this is what we're doing, and I love doing this, and this is how I'm good. At it. And you've built, you've built an identity, a, a life around that. Thing and it because it matters to you. You became an, a lawyer, a, a doctor, a nurse, and and you did all of that work. And your identity—it's hard for our identity not to be built around those things because that's part of how we matter. And then and then you got maybe you got married and and you met that person, and all of a sudden this thing became the most important thing in your life. And you were going to build this relationship. And if anybody asked you to tell them about yourselves, you tell them about your relationship. You would you would define yourself in the context of this of this this man, this woman. You this relationship that you're building, and, 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 and it's everything to you. It's everything. And then you have kids. Oh, my goodness, you have kids. It's hard to have kids and not have our lives built around them. I mean, they're just—they're like we—we—we we, we love them unconditionally. It's like we like you're everything. I mean, I mean, we love them so much they want us to stop loving us so much, right? You know, they're like, whoa, whoa, enough, all right, ease up, mom, ease up, dad, right? It's like it's like I know you love me, you love me, you love me. Just let it let it go, right? And and they love us and we love them and 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 it's everything, right? And and what we've done is we're we're taking this thing that we love, this thing that 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 we've created this thing that we're good at and we've we we've we've made it our our, our purpose our meaning we've we have we have taken that and we've made we've created our own meaning here's the problem so for for, for every meaning for every purpose it has to matter right it has to be so, it has to be worthwhile it has to be you can't just come out and say you know you know what's your meaning in life i'm on my lawn on fridays that's it, I just, I mow. I mean, if, if you just, like mowing your lawn on Fridays, that's a that's a good deal, but it's not it's not meaning in life. It's like, I eat out at the best restaurants in the world. You you would not, I love eating out at the best restaurant. I can tell you where every great restaurant is. I, I like that. I go on awesome vacations, but there's something, I, I, I love awesome vacations, but at the end of the day, life is more than awesome vacations. It's more than great restaurants and it's more than a nice green lawn. Though I like a green lawn, there's something satisfying about looking over that green lawn. I would confess there's something satisfying about looking over a green lawn. That somebody else has mowed. I think that's even, you know, back to the whole guy doing the landscaping. I mean, that's he's got meaning, I've got meaning. But listen, we we want that meaning to matter. Like we want it, we 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 have to add significance to it. It has to be, it has to be big enough. And what and what we want to matter, here's what happens: what we want to matter, we start to measure. That's how you determine if it matters enough. You start measuring things. You add, you you're you're like, like, how good am I at this, right? So when your boss comes into you and he says, Man, you crushed that project. We've never seen a presentation like this. You walk home, you're walking on cloud nine. How's your day? My day was amazing because I'm amazing, right? I did this. Like, this is like I matter because somebody else has measured what I do, or I've measured what I do, and I feel wonderful about myself. And when we have our kids for the first couple of hours, they're perfect, right? They're, they haven't done anything yet. And it's like, this is going to be, this is like, this is what I've always dreamed of. And we take the picture and our family is right now. This is, this is like, this is perfect. This matters, but we can do this with everything, right? We, but, but what happens is what whatever, whatever you measure, become your master. The things we measure can crush us, right? We create them. We measure them because they matter. And then then all of a sudden, the boss doesn't say that. You've worked on that for months. And the boss goes, I don't get it. And all of a sudden, the thing we've measured our worth and our meaning from, we've created it, we feel less than somebody younger than us gets a promotion to a job that we wanted and and we're like oh i'm not i'm not i'm not measuring up you see how what we what we measure has a has a way of just coming in and it just like like crushing that marriage that 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 was, that was everything and formed your identity, all of a sudden the years pass by and struggle creeps in and there's a distance and an isolation and you feel far apart from one another. And what, what used to be this source of all of, of our meaning now isn't measuring up. We watch our, our, our kids go off and, and, and the picture perfect is no longer picture perfect. Do you see how created meaning when it's measured because we want it to matter, it has this way of even the best of things of, of, of crushing. And so Jesus steps into this space. So in these very next verses, Jesus is going to do something for us because it turns out there's another kind of meaning. It's not created. And that's why it's not as popular. I'm just going to tell you up front, it's not as popular. Created meaning is the stuff you pick, the stuff you decide, like, you know, my, my job, my family, my marriage, my, my platform, my influence, my, my Instagram, whatever it is. It's the things that we create. We, we say they matter and we measure them, but, but they're ours. We own them. But there's another kind of meaning. It's not created, it's revealed. You just, you just uncover it. You just discover it. You find it. In this case, you find it in Jesus. And now, now it's, it's, not, it's not easy and it's not popular. And I'll show you why in just a second. In fact, you can, you can read it with me because in the very next verses, Jesus, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Verse 11. The good shepherd sacrifices his sheep, his life for the sheep. He doesn't sacrifice the sheep. That's a, that'd be a bad misquote right there, people. Did you catch that? You weren't paying attention, right? The good shepherd. That's like. Right? A hired hand. Oh. He'll run when he sees the wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks him and scatters the flock. Hired hand's like, I'm out of here. I didn't I didn't sign up for getting killed. I'm done. Jesus, no, no, Jesus. See what Jesus is doing here. He says, listen, I've come to give you life and life to the full. I'm not like the thief. I'm not like the masters of this world. I'm not like the meaning of this world that crushes you, that just like crushes your soul. I'm not like that. The hired hand runs away, verse 13, because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know... My own sheep, and they know me. I don't normally like being called a sheep. I'll be honest with you; it's not it's not, it's not comforting. If Somebody calls you a sheep; it's like it's right up there with "Can I have the keys to your car?" Right? It's like no, what are you? But I'll take it here. Jesus says, "Listen, I, I'm the I'm the I'm the shepherd. I know my own my own sheep." They know me. (laughs) He said, those are my sheep. You're you're like, owned, owned." own. That's a heavy word. I own them. They belong to me. I'm for them. They know my voice. In fact, next verse says, verse 15, just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. He's talking here about the Gentiles. They are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I know my own sheep. I know my own sheep. <laughs> there, there's, he's saying, listen, there, there's another way to live and that, that's where your mind mine where he steps into our life and he says, hey, hey, give me the keys. Give me the keys. But we don't like being owned. The Westminster Catechism, which I, I, have, I don't know if I've ever quoted the Westminster Catechism before. The, 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 first, the, first, the first question is, what is the chief end of man?" And there's 107 of them. I only know the first one. Uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God. Oh, there's a second part, actually. And to enjoy him forever. That's actually pretty good. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Like, like, that's what we're made for. That job that matters, that you measure and feels like a master, it's just for him. He owns it. That marriage, it's his. Those kids, it's his. That platform, it's his. You see, we just we, we, we bring it all back to him. We give it all back to him. That's what he's saying in this passage. He's saying, listen, do you want to be mine? Do you want to give me the keys? Do you want to give me the keys to your life? Do you want to follow me? And there's a part of us that's like, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. I, I, I want to own myself. I, I want to be in charge of myself. It's like he's come asking for the keys and we're like, I'm keeping my keys. Those are my keys. And we went and we hid the keys. We hid them where only we could find them. And then we just started telling, we're like, no, no, I can drive. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. And he said, no, 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 give me, give me. But, but he's persistent. He keeps coming. He keeps coming because he's like, listen, I want to, I want to, I don't want to just keep you alive. I want to give you life. I want to, I want to bless you. All of this, all of this is because I, it's rooted in the generosity of the God who created us and wants to give us life and life to the full. And when he comes to us and he says, listen, 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 I want to own you. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. I want the keys. You're mine. I want to give you life in its fullest, fullest form. When I, I I first got a chance to talk to Kyle, it was in the lobby. If I remember right, he had he was greeting. He had become one of our greeters at the front door and we were, we were just kind of chatting and he was new and I, I wanted to hear a bit of his, his story and, and, and those lobby conversations are fast, right? They just, they just happen and Kyle says, uh, Kyle starts telling me a story and, 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 and in that really quickly he said, he said, I, I, was at a, I was at a low point. He said, and I prayed. He said, I prayed God take my life. And then he said this, And he did, just not like I expected. I thought, whoa, that's a story. So we sat down the other day and Kyle shared his story. And it's really a story about about keys, (laughs) about a God who wants to give us life. And I just wanted you to listen to the story. So take a minute and watch this.
1: Uh, my name is Kyle Shanahan and I'm from Bourne, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm not originally from Cape Cod. I grew up uh, it's a town about two hours north called Dracut. Uh, It's right on the Lowell border. So I grew up there. Um, I was the youngest of three. Um, my mom and my Nana uh, both raised me. Yeah, so um, I'm a person in long-term recovery. Um, I'm actually coming up on five years uh, next month. When I was 12 is when I first started using um, kind of everything under the sun from 12 till 31 I was uh, active in my addiction Uh, November 22nd of 2016 um, I was in my car by myself physically mentally spiritually broken and uh, I can remember like it was yesterday I was in my car just begging for God to take my life There was other plans. It's kind of the way I look at it. And, you know, looking at that time, I didn't know what was happening, but looking back, you know, I was saved for a reason. My life was taken, not not in the way I, I, I planned and the way that I wanted then. But I reached out for help, uh, and in that time period, that you know, four days, five days, I ended up down here in Cape Cod treatment. treatment. Um, Thanksgiving morning, my, my mom, my poor mo- mother drove me um, two hours Thanksgiving morning to treatment here in Cape. I was there about three weeks, and then I realized, you know, I need I needed more help. Me and a couple of the guys from the house I was at uh, came here, you know, when Tom says, welcome home when you walk in there, you know, I didn't know the guy from home and the Wall then, but, um, that's the truth, you're home when you're here. Part of being in recovery, one of the things I've learned is like those missing pieces that I always didn't have. It wasn't a lack thereof other things, or you know, willpower, or this, or that, or opportunities. It was that I didn't have God in my life. And once I realized that through sobriety, that's when my heart became full again. I met my wife pretty much a year after I got, she wasn't my wife yet, obviously, but, <laughs> uh, but a year after I got down here and uh, I meet this wonderful woman. Um, she's already coming here. I didn't even know it. Um, then I meet her son. And I remember the very first day I met him. He's eight, he was eight. He puts on my sneakers and he's walking around the apartment. And uh, I goes, we could use a guy like you around here. We got married. Probably about nine months later, um, ten months later, it's like I said, it's one of those things that you know. Uh, And the first time he called me Dad. That's something I'll never forget. And when you find out God's purpose, and there's no doubt in my mind I was put here to be that boy's father, That's more the tangible evidence. I know what it's like to grow up without a father. Kids need dads. You know, kids need dads. And um, by me having this like righteous cry for help in a place two hours in a city that he's never heard of, Five years ago, with all these other events in place and the things didn't happen at the exact time, I don't, I don't come down here, I might not stay sober, I might not be alive, right? I meet her, meet her son, and it changes generations. My mother has her son, right? My wife has a husband, my son has a father. He's going to be able to go on later in life and know that his father loved him. My plan never worked out, which is, in essence, the best thing that ever could have happened. Um, I wake up every day grateful for the day before. Grateful for every gift he's giving me, because it is a gift. I hear my wife tell me she loves me, I hear my son tell me he loves me, you know, my mother can sleep at night and when she hears an ambulance she doesn't think it's me. They're all gifts, right? And that's part of living fully.
0: So I don't know how God is pursuing you. I don't know what the keys are. He's asking for, but I know he's coming. I was in the lobby. Told myself, "Don't, don't try and tell this." But I was in the lobby after the first service, and a mom and her adult son came up to me. The mom said, do you remember me? And I I get that a lot. And often the answer is no. And She says, you prayed for me at the beach, my God. Remember that. It was a baptism service two years ago. And she had come and her son was struggling. And the son just happened to be here this morning. God at work <laughs> told me I prayed. I said that same thing two weeks ago. I take my life. And this morning he accepted Christ. I don't, I don't say that to be dramatic. I just say it because it reminds me. I, you would just have no idea what God is doing. We just don't know. Like how he's, he's chasing us. And what is it in your, in your life? He's saying, Listen, give me the keys. I love you to keep you alive. And more than that, I want to give you a full, I want to give you the life I've always dreamed of for you. And we're terrified. So much of the authority in our lives has been manipulative and abusive and demanding that we're afraid that's who he is. The more you look at his story and the more you see who he is, you realize that from the very beginning, from the very beginning, he has been chasing you to give you life as a gift. So in a moment, we'll bow our heads and we'll, we'll pray together. For some of you, that might be a moment because there's been an area of your life you've just been struggling with. You're his, he's your shepherd. But man, you've just, you've just pulled back and you've, you've taken ownership. And he's like, give it to me, give it to me. You need just a moment, just, to, just give it to him. And maybe you're here in this, this whole God, Jesus story of the Bible and what he's doing and what he's done and what he wants you to do. Maybe somehow this morning God through his spirit is just He just poked at your heart and said, That's it. That's it right there. And all the things you're afraid of, maybe you're still slightly afraid of them, but but in Him, in Him, I trust Him. He's not the shepherd that runs away. He's not the shepherd that kills the sheep. <laughs> He's the shepherd gave his life to me. And you're just ready to give him your life. I'd like to give you a chance to do that. So, would you pray with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We need quiet moments. Life is so distracting. Phones are going off. Someone else's phone is going off. People doing this, doing that. Just, just for a moment. Just, just fight for this. Fight for this. Don't, don't give in to that distraction. Just fight for like, like God. What are you saying? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give you? And give it to him. And if you're here and you're ready to give your life to Christ, you're ready to embrace him. Kyle was talking about and so many others have, and you're going to hear more stories. of how God is giving life, but you're, you're ready to take that step. I, I, want to, I want to give you a chance just by prayer to say yes to him. Open your heart to him, however you want to phrase it, to invite him in, to give him the keys to... Trust him by faith. You might pray something like this (laughs) Oh God, I see what you're up to. I believe you want to give me life and life to the I believe in Jesus Christ who you sent and died for me. I invite you into my life. I give you my life. I want to live fully. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this message from our current series, The Story Project. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts, or join us for our live stream services on YouTube at the same time. If you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.